Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Emily Hersicorn, who's here to provide us with two steps to putting fun into our lawyer lives, something we could all use more of. Emily Hersicorn has her own coaching business and is a career and life coach for lawyers. She helps lawyers and law students find career clarity, confidence, and joy, and fully step into their leadership potential. She is most passionate about empowering female leadership, addressing imposter syndrome through confidence coaching, and helping lawyers bring more fun and joy into their lives. So welcome, Emily. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So our topic today is how about how to put fun back into your life, something that lawyers, I think, are severely challenged on. So let's just get started. What is this? Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about a two-step process for putting fun back into your lives, really breaking it down into thinking deeply about fun, which is doing a self-assessment you've probably never done, visualization to generate feelings around fun activities, and identifying values to make sure you're honoring your values in these activities, which actually makes it easier to stick with them. And then the second process is goal setting. So finding some reasonable goals, you can work towards small incremental progress and then staying motivated and accountability, which oftentimes we're lacking and can be the reason that they drop off. Well, this sounds like a complete way to go about having fun. So let's just ask, why is this important? Well, I'm going to start with the obvious thing because lawyers are busy, right? And we don't think too much about what this means and why it impacts our level of fun. But what happens is that's the first thing to go. A lot of the times we think of fun or self-care or things for ourselves as maybe selfish um, when we're taking care of all this other stuff and especially our career. So that's one reason. Another reason I've been toying with this idea of codependency with our job. So I think a lot of folks are familiar with codependency and interpersonal relationships and what that means, but it's quite interesting when I think about my own past and then when I've been working with other clients and thinking about their situation with their job, look, we want to find meaning and purpose and alignment in our jobs. Of course, I'm a career coach. That's so important. And sometimes... I find that we're actually putting a lot of pressure on our job to be everything. So purpose, passion, supporting our mission, socialization, joy and fun, and and really all of that pressure, it just, it can't live up at some point. And when I hear that, I start to get curious and wonder what's going on in our personal lives and how much fun and enjoyment are we getting there because maybe it's lacking, which is the reason that we're putting all of that pressure on our job. So that's one more reason. And then the other one is self-awareness. I think when we're go, 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 and our head's down and we're typing away all day long, we don't even realize how little fun we're having in our lives and that we're really putting it off for that one week or two weeks of vacation a year when it really is quite critical to our general success. So raising folks' 
self-awareness can be really powerful to make a change. Actually, when you're describing it like you just did, it definitely doesn't sound like fun. So Mm -hmm. we definitely have to move ahead with some way of incorporating this into our work life and our lives to have a much healthier and happier career. So we've talked a bit about it, but what often gets in the way? I think lawyers and other busy professionals have this interesting concept of time. So we think of time as incredibly limited, and to an extent it is, right? But sometimes that limits us in actually trying to find time to to set aside for fun activities. So if we are just always walking around thinking, well, there's just no time, so it just can't happen, then of course it's not going to happen. So we have this interesting concept of time. That also kind of relates to this idea of the limiting belief that busy professionals shouldn't be prioritizing fun. It really are careers, that's the priority. And then if we have some extra time, we'll squeeze it in here and there. Again, going back to the idea of maybe once a year on vacation, otherwise working all of the time. So that can, of course, be very limiting. And going back to self-awareness, I think a lot of folks aren't aware that that's a limiting belief that they hold. That's something that we want to work out and bring to our real consciousness, our awareness, so that we can move past it and start prioritizing. And then the last one, in terms of what gets in the way. Difficulty prioritizing, I just want to emphasize, especially for your followers, Faye, it is especially an issue for women and especially an issue for working mothers because we've got our career, we've got, if we're in a relationship, a partner, a spouse, our children, and then we tend to fall at the bottom. And so when we're getting, ticking everything else off the list at the end of the day, that's our time. And maybe we're exhausted. (laughs) We just veg out and watch Netflix at the end of the day and aren't really doing much more than that. So those are really, I think, the three main things that get in the way. I think you just touched on a really important point, and that is fun is something that we need to really think about and not just kind of stick at the end of the day or take a a substitute like Netflix when we could have thought about it with a more direct way of thinking to, to generate something that's going to be much more proactive and strategic and that's going to really help us personally be a personal definition. So let's just go into how do we develop and practice a key skill here? Yes, let's dive in. So number one, um, like I mentioned earlier, deeply thinking about fun. That was such a good segue because I I don't want to knock Netflix. I'm actually a big fan. and, And I do think it can serve that purpose if you're setting aside time to watch a movie with a friend or a partner or a series that you're really into. But a lot of times we find ourselves just casually scrolling, right? And that's not going to be deeply fulfilling. So really deeply thinking, we start with self-assessment. What's our current state of affairs around fun and enjoyable activities? What do I enjoy doing? When do I have the most fun? What did I enjoy doing in the past that maybe I haven't done in a long time or even pre-COVID? What was I doing before that's really missing from my life right now? And then how often would I like to be engaging in fun? Going back to that idea of not just setting it aside for the end of the year vacation or 
the end of the day, like we just brought up maybe, and just uh, the last hour and you're not thinking and you're just like a zombie staring at the TV. So conducting that self-assessment, that's the best way to start building a foundation to move forward. You have to know where you currently are to set those goals and strategize. And then the next one is my favorite. So we're still deeply thinking here in that step one, visualization can create feelings. So thoughts create feelings, feelings create action. We want to get to that action stage where we're setting goals to make a change here. But first we're thinking about our thoughts and our feelings. So I like to have folks really envision doing something fun. What brings you so much joy or in the past? Think back to a time where you were just carefree and enjoying yourself and and really sit in that and think about what you're feeling. Identify those feelings. Enjoy them. Where do you feel it in your body? I don't think we do this ever. We don't go through this thought process, right? No, as you're describing it, I'm trying to even begin to start that process. And I can see how it would be quite challenging to begin because if you haven't really put your mind to it, trying to find what has been fun might take you a little bit of time. Do you find that with your clients when you're working with them? Yes. And that is why we sit in silence sometimes. Silence. Wow. That sounds a bit threatening. How do we do that? (laughs) Exactly. And that's the power of coaching. It is a special place where we sit in silence sometimes. Because just like you're saying here, alluding to, when else in our lives do we sit in silence? We don't feel like it's safe. And why? We're always worried about judgment and, oh, I've got to fill the void and busy, busy, busy and be productive. So it's a safe space, a non-judgmental space. I allow my clients to sit in silence. If they tell me I can't think of anything, I may sit in silence longer with them. (laughs) Or I may say, tell me more. And at some point, something comes up. So it's important for us to take that time, whether you're working with a coach or even on your own. Set aside some space in your home that's somewhat meditative. Have your hot tea, your, you know, ocean waves in the background, whatever it is you need to really sit with your own thoughts. Like you said, it can feel threatening at first, but you power through, you work through it, get comfortable with it so that then you can hit back to those memories and start, start living in those feelings a little bit more. So can it be a long way uh, before or, you know, something from your childhood, something from your teens, your young adulthood? Like, can it be from anywhere? Should it be something more recent to be more realistic? What should it be? Great question. I think there are no rules here. Some of us, right? It's perfect to throw out the rules. I know a lot of us live in a very rule-based way. Yeah, throw out those rules because some of us have not been having a lot of fun for a long time. I get that right? This is something I'm personally working on quite a bit. I've been prioritizing everybody else, right? My career for a long time now. So yeah, you might be pulling back to childhood memories. And the cool thing about that is you're doing some inner child work there where you're thinking about what did I enjoy doing when I was young and why? That second piece is really important. Not just identifying the activity, but digging Yeah, because that's going to help us then translate it into something, like you were saying, that's realistic for now. Can it be very simplistic? Can it be something as simple as a bath? Like, what what are we talking about here? Absolutely. So we're using the word fun over and over, but it's really fun and enjoyment. 
So what brings you joy? I think fun we attach a lot of meaning to and think about, you know, sports and something loud and very active, but it doesn't have to be that. It's just so long as we're filling up this cup or bucket that I like to lump together fun and enjoyment as the label there. And yeah, if it's a bath, by yourself in peace and quiet absolutely is that for you Faye is that what you're thinking that's, you're th that's not a small thing when you have a number of children right for sure so yes it can be anything from any point in time but just really sitting in that and and really sitting in your feelings experiencing them thinking up where they are and conjuring them up so that we can recreate them in a new activity moving forward and then the last part of this deeply thinking stage is identifying your top values. I know I hadn't really thought much about this until recently, and it's been really wonderful. I've got them written down, my top three values on a whiteboard in my office, and it's been really wonderful for motivation and to keep me thinking about my goals and why. It's important that I work towards those goals. So identifying values can be really powerful and it's nice to align the fun and enjoyment activities with your values. I know when we were speaking earlier about values, we came across something that I found quite striking and that is our values don't have to be what we traditionally think of being a value. So it can be being alone as we discussed. So can you give me some more examples of maybe some non-traditional values that might come up? Sure. Faye, you're learning something about me that I am, I don't like to do things the traditional way. <laughs> And I like to throw the rules out sometimes. I think I was talking about a limiting belief earlier, but that really speaks to the limiting beliefs we have in our lives that hold us back sometimes. Thinking about the way things are supposed to be or should be instead of just the way that we want them to be and choose for ourselves. So yeah, with values, I really don't have so many rules for folks. I like to encourage people to think about what they enjoy doing or when you were in this blissful state, and carefree and enjoying yourself, what was going on for you there? And what were you doing? And what value do you think you were honoring? I really like the idea of when we're really happy and feeling great, there's a value that's being honored. And when we feel quite the opposite, there's likely a value that's being challenged. So just, you asked about examples to give you some more examples. For me, one of my top values is being my authentic self. That might not seem like a traditional value, but when I think about it, it's really motivating me to find a home or relocate my family in a geographic area that really excites me, where I feel like I'm myself and vibrant and in a vibrant community. Or one of my top values is having a loving family. It's not just family, but it's really specific because I want to make sure that I'm thinking of activities where we all are enjoying ourselves and we're engaging and interacting with one another, not just present, not to just say we're doing a family activity today, check it off our list, but that it's something that we're really deeply engaging with each other. Just a couple of examples there. Good question. Those are great examples. And I think that by using them, we can begin to really feel that joy that comes from getting to the core of who you really are. If you're not doing that, I can see how you're just filling in the boxes and you're mm -hmm. not going to get to that authentic joy is how I would call it. Right. I love that. Authentic joy and motivators. 
we're thinking about what are our motivators here that will keep us moving forward towards our goals, making progress. And also, like I mentioned earlier, I think that we're avoiding feelings a lot of times. Busy professionals are certainly doing that. And so as I was describing those values just now, I started smiling. I started feeling something. It brought me to life a little bit. And that's what we want to be doing. Again, thoughts create feelings. Okay, now that we've created the feelings, we can move into the action, which is our step two or goal setting. So tell me about that. So with the goal setting process, I think it's important to keep several things in mind. First of all, lawyers, as we talked about previously, lawyers are issue spotters and then problem solvers. We're fixers, right? So we love to dive right in, jump to the solution, kind of get ahead of ourselves. And sometimes that works. In our personal lives, however, It is so important to slow down and really be patient and take your time so that everything you're doing here is really conscious. It's thought out, it's planned, and you're incorporating these feelings and motivators like we talked about into your goal setting process. Okay, so what, how do we do it? So starting small and making incremental progress over time is really important to create new sustainable habits. Again, a lot of times we want to jump all the way in, dive into the deep end, and sometimes that works and then it doesn't and then it stops. So it's important to think about your ideal, of course, but also what's a reasonable stretch that you can start with? Where can you start? Because once you achieve that first objective, we'll call it, or mini goal, some of my clients like to call it, you celebrate your success. Now you're feeling good because you're celebrating a success. We're going back to feelings. And now that you're feeling good, you're motivated to keep going. Could we have an example of somebody that starts off in a small way? What would that look like? Sure. So let's think about something that you want to do to increase your fun and enjoyment is socialize more. And during COVID, that's a little bit limited in person. So what you want to do is hop on the phone more. For example, my husband talks to all four of his brothers, his mother, his father, and all of his best friends every single day. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't know how he, how he does it. It's incredible. It actually made me realize, oh my gosh, I don't talk to my friends very often because we're all so busy, but that's me making excuses, right? So this is something... I've really wanted to do more of. So let's say that's someone's goal is to start making phone calls a few times a week. And that's where they're thinking, okay, every day I'm going to make a phone call to someone new. Well, that's a big deal if you haven't been doing it at all. So maybe if that's your ultimate goal to have one social phone call a day, maybe you start with a couple times a week. And that way you can pick certain days, certain times, you can really be strategic about it and starting slowly so that you're not diving in too deep and almost setting yourself up for failure because it's hard to make really drastic changes right away. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed just listening to that goal. (laughs) So definitely not for me. It's ambitious for sure. So what would be our next step after we start small? So like I said, it's important to celebrate your small wins to keep you motivated. I think this is something people tend to not do. We tend to overlook these small celebrations. So I always love that coaching question, how are you going to celebrate when we're talking about successes? And usually we get a pause. 
right? Because people don't often celebrate the little wins. So that's important to be thinking about all along to keep going. And I love this idea of focusing on the journey without serious attachment to the outcome which can sound a little strange, especially to lawyers who are achievers, right? If we take the success, the strength factors assessment, a lot of us will have achiever really high up there. I know for me, it's number one. If you think about it though, that can set you up for this sense of failure. I like to say perceived failure if you don't meet that very specific outcome. But instead, if again, you're focusing on all of these little wins along the way, that's the journey. Good for you for making progress. Any sort of progress is movement in the right direction. And ultimately, you can get to that ultimate goal if you keep going. But focusing on the ultimate goal exclusively can be difficult to enjoy the actual process. Um, I'd say it actually takes away from the whole process. If you're focusing on the journey, you're, you're allowing yourself to experience the present moment, which puts you in a whole different state of mind. Living in the past and the future takes away from those aspects. You're exactly right. It's literally mindfulness. It's being mindful, 100%. And that is an issue a lot of us have nowadays. We're always planning for what's next or worrying about what happened in the past. It's very hard to just sit in the moment. So I agree with you that that process of enjoying your successes along the way is helping with mindfulness and encouraging that process. And then I think the last bit here is how can we make it stick? So how can you make sure that you're actually following through? There are a few ideas here. First of all, going back to our discussion earlier about feelings, bringing up memories that really get you in those moments, conjuring up those good, warm, yummy feelings, um, bathing yourself in them. I've heard you use the word cloak about something else, but I love that idea of wrapping yourself in a cloak of the feelings. So from the inside out, uh, that kind of concept with your feelings based on those memories, really sitting in them and helping you motivate yourself to move forward because it brought you so much joy in the past and can again. And then starting with that self-awareness bit. I can't overemphasize how important the self-awareness is. I think a lot of folks are not thinking about this right now. They are not thinking about do I have fun very often? And that's the place to start. So I think that's important to really dig in deep there. And then like we talked about, you're digging up feelings, motivators, all of these different components to this process that will make it more likely that you stick with your goals. So can we just talk about that for a little moment? So when we start the whole process, we're using our memories to generate those feelings. Then we create our goals. Then we are using memories again. So let's just clarify how we're using memories in the second part versus the first part. Sure. So sometimes when, when I have a client who hasn't achieved the goal that we set, like the mini objective that we set from the week prior, two weeks prior, I may ask what got in your way. I may ask what can you do to make sure that that whatever it was is not going to get in your way again? And what can you do to stay empowered and motivated? So this is a part of the process where we may start thinking up conjuring up these memories again. So this is another, I I love this question because it kind of brings us back to that point of it's about the journey. The journey is not some straight and narrow path, right? Where you're point A, point B, and you just go. 
you're going to go to C, D, and E before you get to B a lot of the time. So maybe you make a little bit of progress, you slide back down, and you dig into those memories again to get you back to be accountable and keep you moving forward. Wonderful question. Um, And I think that's such an important note to make about what the journey looks like. And so with accountability beyond the memories um, and feelings and motivators, let's talk about some basic things here, putting it in your calendar. How many people say, I'll do something fun or I'll take care of myself when I have some extra time. And then of course you don't do it, right? Exactly. It's got, it's got to be scheduled. Schedule yourself in the calendar. And also thinking about your existing schedule as an accountability factor. So here's an example. Let's say I have a baby or a young child who takes a nap at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And for one of my fun and enjoyable activities I'm doing, I want to get in my exercise room and do a, a dance class, a virtual dance class. So instead of saying, well, I'll just do it when I get to it, which isn't going to happen. Why don't I plan when I put the baby down for a nap? As soon as I do that, I run into my gym and I do my dance class. So attaching it to something existing in your schedule can be really helpful for starting a new habit. Your other things in your schedule are holding you accountable that way, which is kind of a cool concept. And then whatever it may be that works for you. I have one client who writes intentions on his mirror. So he can't avoid them. (laughs) He has to look at them. He's faced with them every day, every morning. First thing he gets up after meditating, he goes into the bathroom and bam, there they are in his face. So that works for him. I've got a whiteboard in here, whether it's just putting them in your phone. We've all, we all have these different preferences and that's part of the process. If you've never done this before, where you're really goal setting and setting intentions for the first time for self-improvement, it's okay to not know. I just want to say that. That's a beautiful concept. I really like that. Yeah, it's so important. This goes back to that non-judgmental piece. This is always a non-judgmental space when you're doing this work, because otherwise you're going to have anxieties around whether you're doing it right and there is no right or wrong. It's whatever works for you. And if you don't know, you try it. It's trial and error and you adjust along the way. And how do you check in that it's working for you? What kind of cues do you need to have? That's a good question. Yeah, I think that's the actually idea of an accountability partner, which I was just getting to, where it's nice to have a check-in with someone if it is hard for you to really identify if it's working or not. And sometimes that can be a difficult process for folks, especially folks who are not used to so much mindfulness work, where they're not really sitting in it, and, and they may say, oh, well... I did it this week, but who knows if it'll actually work next week. Don't celebrate that success with someone. And having an accountability partner, whether it's a coach or a trusted friend or family member who is very non-judgmental and you really are on the same page with these efforts, they can also hold you accountable for celebrating your success and checking in to make sure that you understand whether it's working or not. So I may ask a client, how did you feel about your progress from last week? And they may say, well... I did the virtual dance program, but I only did it for 30 minutes and I really want to do it for an hour. So we're going to talk about that. Why do you want to do it for an hour? And how practical is that? What's your real goal here? Do we talk about what gets in the way, what got in the way, perhaps, if that is something that is really desired and reasonable? 
absolutely. What got in your way? What do you think got in your way? And again, like I said earlier, even if at first people say, I don't know, you sit there in silence. People have an answer most of the time. So people have an idea of what's getting in their way if they really take the time to sit there and think. So giving them space, giving yourself space, if you're doing some self-coaching here, which I love the idea of, and really thinking about it, what did get in the way? So let's say the baby woke up after 30 minutes. And that's just a reality of life. I've got to go get the baby maybe, right? So then maybe I'm retooling my schedule and finding a time when my partner is home and can be on baby duty. And I'm prioritizing fun exercise time, just like I would work, just like I would if I'm going to have a presentation. My husband, for example, knows he's either got the kids out of the house or they're in the other room and silent. How often are we doing that though for our own time? It's rare. So I have a question about that. As we start this whole process, you said there's no rule. So we can be looking at a lot or a little. I imagine for people that are starting out and haven't been doing it, even a little is a lot. But as we get more acclimatized to this, is there some sort of goal that we should be looking at in terms of increasing our fund? Like, how should we be looking at this? Good question. So I think that's the power of self-assessment. And I would say over time, continue to assess how satisfied are you with your own fun and enjoyment in your life. There is no ideal. And the reason being, people need different amounts of everything in their lives, right? To feel fulfilled. So maybe that's a more specific question if you want to think about it that way. How fulfilled do you feel in these different areas of your life? And maybe someone gets a lot of joy out of their work. Maybe someone works in a really fun job. Definitely reassessing over time. I love that concept because we all have several different pieces to the pie in our lives to be working on. And maybe at some point, fun and enjoyment no longer feels like one of those areas. And you might move on to focus on something else because you've filled up there. I just have one last question. Well, actually two. What's the impact of COVID on this whole process? What would you say how that has affected everything in terms of going through it? It's a loaded question. I think it's been interesting. I think I've seen a lot of folks really missing and mourning their pre-pandemic life. And of course, fun and enjoyment and socialization has been a huge piece of that. So sometimes people are thinking it's hard. You kind of get stuck when you're focusing on the past and how things used to be. It's very hard because right now, We cannot be, um, my husband and I, for example, we love to throw dinner parties. We love to have people over for a meal. We love to do large birthday parties for our kids and we're not doing any of that. So if I was focusing there, it would be really hard and feel like, well, there's nothing I can do to move forward and to recreate that now. So I think it's important for people to think about why they enjoyed the activities they were doing pre pandemic life, in their pre-pandemic life, and and how they can incorporate that why now, how they can do something different possibly, but still kind of speaking to those values or whatever it was that brought them joy about it. And the other idea is adjusting the activity. So for example here, I love playing soccer. And let's just say I was playing on a recreational team Before the pandemic, my husband and I have been taking the kids to the park and been kicking the ball around. While it's not the same, 
it's at least me kicking that soccer ball, which brings me so much joy. And I really love doing, and it's getting my body moving, which is important to me. That's one of the whys there. So just an example, but I think it's important for people to do their best with what they have. It's definitely making lemonade out of lemons right now to continue to prioritize fun and enjoyment. And when it's otherwise easy to really just kind of lament and get stuck focusing on the past. So what kind of expected results could we see here? So I think when folks are thinking deeply about having more fun, what fun means to them, and setting these goals and keeping all these principles in mind, we're talking about increased self-awareness. Again, that first crucial step. What's really going on in my life? Who am I? What's important? What do I want to be doing? And then you're more likely to increase the amount of fun you're having in your life. Number two, identifying your values. I don't think a lot of folks have done this before, or even if you did it in the past, this can change. We change over time, our priorities change. So identifying your values, what brings you joy, and then you can really think about more of what you want to be doing moving forward. And of course, setting those concrete goals and being able to hold yourself accountable is going to make it more likely that you're actually able to follow through and start having more fun and joy in your life. Thank you very much, Emily, for coming on today and sharing with us two steps to putting fun into lawyer lives. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.